0: It's Psychotherapy with Jet Dunlap, episode 86. Oh, it's a cuckoo, not zany, uh, Clark Bar kind of an episode. I'm tired. I do a lot of these when I'm tired. I tried to bang out a couple more episodes. They were a false start, just terrible. In this one, I talk a little bit about dyslexia. talk about wheelbarrows again, sorry. I talk about Montessori schools. I don't know why. And uh, you get to strap into the roller coaster that is my thoughts. You know, strap in, in as you could press stop at any point and strap out. But uh, you're here because of that. Why not take your shoes off, put your feet in the pool, and uh, then I'll tell you that's not a pool. That's a that's my bathtub, and you need to get out my bathtub because that's inappropriate. So it's one of those episodes. If you haven't heard this show before, it's not always like this. So enjoy this unique take on a human's ability to process information and throw it all over his microphone for your ears to take in. It's the junk food of my episodes. Episode 86 of Psychotherapy is coming straight at your ears from my mouth. Strap in. Let's play that little jingle. Uh, DJ, DJ, JD. I just deleted a bunch of episodes off my, uh, little recorder here. Because they were nonsense and they sucked. And you can't keep those stupid things around. Man, it's like pictures. I have 40,000 pictures on my phone. 40,000 pictures on my phone. And I remember every single one of them. Ugh. And do you know they like don't start <laughs> until like 2016? Wow. I saw like five pictures of my grandfather when he was young, until he died. Then I got to see like 40. Like there's there's entire years, nearly decades of his life that just don't exist on film. Now, if someone dies, you could see every day of their life. Is that good? I don't want to look at anything. It's too much. Oh, he had a bad hate. <laughs> he had a bad oh he had a bad hair day that day. How many how many days out of that year do you have a bad hair day? Only oh, yeah, two hundred. It's crazy, right? It's got to do something for the social sciences. If you're trying to investigate a person's life, and there's all these pictures that just that stuff didn't exist. We should have a much better understanding of people in the future than we did in the past. I know that sounds paradoxical. Paradoxical? Paradox-apopsicle. But, uh, right? Because it's everything is there. We document everything. In my case, not only do I document everything in a journal, in a podcast, in my notes... In photos, in videos, I'm just short of hieroglyphs. And then you'd have hieroglyphs, and then you'd have everything. Weird, right? Are we more significant than we used to be? No. Significance is an interesting thing. It's something I battle with all the time. A conversation I was having the other day with Chris. Purpose. You're born with this idea that you have this driving purpose. And that's the only thing you know in your life and that it always seems to evade you. Or you become successful and you're fulfilling your purpose. Or you're like the rest of the people and you're like, what are you talking about, you nutcase? Now, in the case of Chris, he's able to relate to what I'm talking about, the the purpose-driven life kind of thing. But most people are like, "Eh, "Yeah, I need eggs. I need to go get some milk. (laughs) It's a very wholesome person in this imaginary situation. I want to say, why is that? Why is that the difference? What is that difference? What is the purpose of that difference? But what a dumb question. I can't answer that. I don't have that answer. That's a big question. One of the bigger questions. Why do I know what I've always wanted to do? Why do others forever, their whole life, have no idea? Why do certain people live in... A constant state of less than. I wish I had. There needs to be more of. She's not good enough. The next position at the job. My body could be. Other people. Wow, I'm lucky. And this blows my mind. That there are actually people out there who just go, Wow, I'm really lucky. I've got an incredible life. I'm so blessed. And what's interesting about that is, is that that person exists with nothing and with everything. I could show you a person who has that feeling who's a billionaire, and I could show you that person who has lives with 10 people in a studio apartment in Bangalore. And that's that's interesting, because by that same note, and this will seem less paradoxical, but I could find someone who's a billionaire, I know one who's a billionaire, and is just pathetic just trying to impress everyone by where he goes and what he does but he has no connection to that no feeling just you see him and you feel bad for him feeling bad for a billionaire that's got to be tough it's true he has everything you could ever imagine any idea imagine this anything you could ever imagine he can experience he wants to fly on a private jet to some place that he sees in an Instagram post or in a magazine he can be there the next day you know As long as it's within that uh, distance. (laughs) Don't get on me about the math, but that's his life. And he's miserable. Can't hold down a girlfriend, too. And you see, his relationship with his children is weird. Sure, this is judgy, but it's true. And it's fascinating. He has what I describe as the ticket to everything. And I talked about him in like the first 10 episodes. I don't remember which one it was, but he's a billionaire. And this is liquidity, too, because his family sold a business, and they have that kind of money. And he's miserable. Isn't that interesting? Now, people say this other, I don't know what you'd say. By the way, if you hear any noise, Gina's building a cabinet outside. My little Bob Vila, my little (laughs) Tutankhamen, my little Tim the Tool Man Taylor out there is building that's what she does. She's a busy little bee. Do I have enough uh, similes and analogies and and rational franchises? This this idea, this cliche of I think my mom said it the other day. Well, money doesn't buy you happiness. I disagree. And I'm not gonna say you've heard this before. I just did. But uh, if you've listened to this show, you've heard it before. It does buy some happiness, right? I have lived in situations where I was in a tent trailer. Not even as nice an RV as I live in now. And I was cold. And uh, money bought me more blankets and that made me less cold. So I was happier. Basically in a conversation with a relative of mine who said, well, you know, your cousin who's fabulously wealthy, this girl who grew up with everything she could ever want, she can also be sad. I'm like, yeah, she's sad with central air. I grew up in the valley, never had a day of air conditioning. The temperatures at night were over 100 degrees. I'm living in a bunk bed right next to my brother in a bedroom that somehow, and this has to be some kind of quantum phenomenon, the bedroom was smaller than any room on earth. Think of the smallest room you can think of, it's half that size. I said money could have bought a more comfortable room. Even doing this show or writing, I write, I was writing the other day inside my wheelbarrow Why? Because I'm insane. And then sometimes I write in my RV. Right now, as I speak, my arm is resting on the steering wheel of my house. Does your house have a steering wheel? No? Well, I guess the day is mine. So money, and you guys know my situation. I'm not poor. I got money. But if I had enough money that I felt, I have a lot of money. (laughs) But you know what I mean? I... My money is finite at the moment. It's stuff that I've saved and earned through businesses and jobs and it's not reoccurring. So if I had enough money to have a $2 million house, I wouldn't have to put my arm on a steering wheel when I do my podcast. I could. I mean, I'd have that kind of money. I could put a car in my house and do my studio from there. But my point is, money does buy some happiness. Money does buy some happiness. Money does buy some happiness. Most of the people I knew growing up I want to say lower middle class. Not to say that's where my parents were, but that's the kind of world I grew up in. Um, And then when I moved out, pretty poor. The apartments we lived in were really, really rough. Uh, Bad neighborhoods, violence, cockroaches, violent cockroaches. And to be around those people, the biggest feeling they ever have, and the only thing you ever talk to them about, is they want a break, man. They want a break. They're in a hard situation. Many of them having children. I wanna be able to just give my kids more, they'd say, my neighbors. I don't want them to grow up the way I did. Money buys you out of that. Now my friend is a billionaire. He's, you know, not happy, whatever. (laughs) That means he has no creativity, I think, no imagination. No one wants to hear this nonsense. What is it? If you can be miserable when you're rich, miserable when you're poor, happy when you're poor, happy when you're rich, happy when you're sick, sad when you're healthy. Wouldn't it be tough if it's all just as easy as how you force yourself to feel? Like all those self-help books, act as if. Wouldn't that be amazing if that's the key? Maybe it is. Here you've been listening to a guy for more than a year now, and I would not, I mean, I would not. What a stupid thing to say. I'm not happy. I am more productive. How's that? I was talking to my friend Chris the other day. I'm very productive. I'm very healthy. I'm good to my wife. I'm good to the people in my life, although there are so few of them. I mean, almost no people in my life. But I'm good to the ones who are there. I don't do harm. Pretty great. Financially stable. That's not bad. I mean, I still have my arm on a steering wheel. (laughs) In my house, car, living room, bathroom, bedroom, all one room. It's a hallway. I live in a hallway. Is life all about measuring what one day is compared to another day? One year is compared to another year? No. Isn't that interesting? I know that it's not, but it's still how I live. I guess it's like when someone's smoking and they're like, I know this is bad for me. It's not, like, it's not like when you came over to me just now outside a restaurant and you yelled at me for smoking and said, did you know that's bad for me? It's not like I didn't know it was bad for me. By the way, that was acting. I don't smoke. If you thought in that case, I was the smoker, I wasn't. But smokers know it's bad for them. Am I like a smoker in that case? I hope not. Maybe I am. Maybe I am because, well, I have chemical things against me, but doesn't smoking also have its chemical talons in your brain you know this is one of those rare episodes that hasn't happened for a while i'm actually figuring stuff out in real time remember my longtime listener oh you beautiful beautiful person my longtime listeners so you guys know statistically is taller than the average person smarter younger more handsome better educated so anyway my longtime listeners which i would never suck up to Although if you were to suck up to someone, it's them because they are amazing. I have the best listeners. Ask anybody. But they'll know that I used to do this a lot. I used to just kind of like figure stuff out in my brain in real time. And as I'm saying this, I'm thinking maybe maybe I'm onto something there, right? So maybe misery is like nicotine. Sure, it's a chemical problem. I mean, dyslexia is different. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think that chemical depression has better treatment than my dyslexia. My dyslexia, I get nauseous. I feel like I'm going to pass out when I try and do math cuz it's like hitting this black cavern in my brain that just doesn't work. It's like a a false start on a car where you keep turning the key and it doesn't go. Only reason I'm using that analogy or not analogy. The only reason I'm telling you that is that in my case I have chemical depression and I'm dyslexic. And I have ADD. ADD, again, that's hard to tell. If you listen to me, you'll know it, but that's such a state of my existence that it's not something I observe. But with dyslexia, every single day, and I'm a hard 30, not a soft 30, I'm a hard 30. I'm 30, but I'm a hard 30, like a hard R, okay? Hard R, can't help but do that every time. But dyslexia, that's, that's just, you throw the probe in your mind out to try and figure something out, and there's nothing. It's like a lost memory, and I've had that too. Whereas uh, depression maybe is more like nicotine. Now, there's no science in this, guys. I'm not a science guy. Sometimes I realize how much of a science guy I'm not by thinking, I know a lot about a lot. I do. You've heard the show. But then I think about the vaccine for coronavirus and how the smartest humans on earth that have instant access to all Everyone, because the internet, that's what it was invented for, to have scientists in, you know, Sri Lanka have access to scientists in uh, Zermatt, Switzerland, and also Santa Monica. Boy, those are some nice places. Uh, I don't know about Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka? (laughs) Sri Lanka was a friend of mine back when I worked at Good Guys. What the hell was I talking about? Sri Lanka? Yo, Sri Lanka! What was I talking about with Sri Lanka? Oh right, right, right. What? Internet? Sri Lanka? Do you see how I'm <laughs> doing the puzzle pieces here? Do the puzzle piece. Do 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 do. That's a hustle. I used to think it was a soul <laughs> Where am I going? Yeah, I didn't take my ADD medication today. Uh, I didn't take my ADD. <laughs> I didn't take my ADD medication today. I was saying that nicotine and depression, it's this thing that has a hold on you. But if you like meditate and you actively work in opposition of that chemical sensation, just like an addiction to alcohol or nicotine. Nicotine is easy because it's an actual agent that you can tell has its chemical roots in you. I wonder if you can just solve it that way and then all the rest of it, all the science and everything is just hogwash. Oh, that's right. The internet, all those internet people who are connected, they still can't figure out coronavirus for a year, year and a half. Every second of every day, they're working on it nonstop and they can't figure it out. So I said all that meandery, meanderson, meow, mean, meow, 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 because, uh, oh my God, my brain again. It just, <laughs> you know, you know, those uh, silver painted robot fellas at the end uh, lady fellas, out at the uh, Santa Monica uh, Third Street, back when people saw each other on places, you know, and they and they go down and the robots just shut down. They're not real robots, right? They're silver people. Uh, when they shut down, that's what my brain did just now. It shut down like a silver person. If you don't have a Santa Monica Third Street near you, your local mall, delicatessen, wherever, The internet, they can communicate with each other and they still can't figure out how to cure this coronavirus. I said all that to just say that science is that confusing. But forget science. Maybe sadness and depression can be treated by this focus. In my hypnosis that I treated a friend with hypnosis, it was incredible. I unlocked something in this person and I'll do an entire episode on it. But just... Wow, they made groundbreaking realizations about their life by me talking directly to their subconscious. Incredible. I mean, just incredible. So we know that there can be some kind of work done there. The reason I mentioned dyslexia stuff is just that you can't talk to your subconscious and teach it math, right? That's a neurological misfire. But there's stuff that can be done there. There's stuff that can actually improve the way you process information from your subconscious, unconscious to your conscious waking self. And that could greatly improve your outlook. And as I was saying this, this all started from the fact that I said that I used to do a show like this where uh, Dawning Realization would, Dawning Realization, also a guy I would do a Montessori school with. Um, by the way, Montessori school, Gina went to a Montessori school. No one knows what a Montessori school is who goes to a Montessori school or went to a Montessori school. I always ask him. Like, it's where the students teach each other. Like, it was a, it was a woman. Her last name was Montessori. She was a doctor. And uh, they're like, oh, really? Montessori school. They think they're so fancy with that name. They don't even know what it is. And that's what this episode's been about, Montessori schools. You guys got that? Old dummy jet over here old 6F's in 6th grade he uh, he knows what a Montessori school is he never went to no Montessori school and at the end of the day isn't that what it's all about Montessori schools yeah I'm tired yeah I'm not on my medication why am I tired? because I'm not on my medication it's not like I didn't get enough sleep I get my minimum 10 hours that's how I stay so youthful and I glow that's actually that's actually a downside. I think it's because I was a near a nuclear power plant when I was young. That's you shouldn't glow. If a pregnant woman is glowing, she may give birth to a mutant. Hopefully, it's like one of those uh, Hulks, the Hulk, from that uh Marvel comic. What am I talking about? <laughs> Chris Coy, he cursed me to have this episode. Cursed me. Because he said I missed those old episodes where you were uh, full of nonsense you know those word squirrels episodes then he said not really world, w- words not world squirrels uh, word squirrels neither of those but uh here're crazy episodes maybe Gina drugged me again like that episode I was drugged the most important thing about this episode and I don't usually end it this way but is uh people who go to Montessori schools don't know why it's called Montessori And that, uh, well, that's it. I'm out of words. Enjoy your Montessori school. It's psychotherapy, people. You're going to get what you get. And that's all there is to it. I'm Jet Dunlap. I'm sorry. Hear from you next time.